smell what the rock is cooking. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of If You Smell What the Arch Is Cooking. That is right, we are back here in podcast land. And I am sorry for the three-week hiatus, but it was much needed, ladies and gentlemen. I was watching so much wrestling, something along the lines of 14 to 15 hours a week to keep this show relevant. And it was just starting to play with my head, uh, along with, uh, you know, just driving me crazy because the product was okay, but nothing tremendous. So, again, I'm sorry for the taking a few weeks off, but we are back now. And, yes, it is still WrestleMania season. We are one week out before WrestleMania goes Hollywood. WrestleMania 39 from L.A., California. That is right. And, ladies and gentlemen, I want to let you know that tonight we have a small format change than we have had in the past. We are going to, of course, have some quick hits. And then we're going to have our highlight reel for Raw. MLW, NXT, AEW Dynamite, and SmackDown. And then we're going to have a couple of lowlights from the various shows that I just mentioned, and that will be it. There is no Grinds My Gears this evening. Reason being, I haven't really been paying attention to the the, uh, product in the last few weeks. Um, And I finally got back into it this week, and so I really don't have that much to complain about when it comes to uh, anything grinding my gears. I mean, I could... But then I'd just be going off on a tangent, and I don't want that. I don't know if you guys do. Maybe you do, but I don't want that. So uh, instead of full-on show reviews, we will just be doing the highlight reel and the lowlight reel and looking at things that went on that I really enjoyed this week because I want to talk about the stuff that I did enjoy as opposed to the stuff that I didn't. But the lowlight reel is there to talk about a couple of things that I just didn't like in general. Next week, we'll be back with highlight reel for Raw SmackDown and NXT, and then we will talk about, of course, NXT Stand and Deliver and Boat Nights of WrestleMania. So get ready, strap in, okay? Pop open your favorite frosty uh, frosty beverage and get ready to join me on this ride as I spew my venom, my hate, and my love for the world of professional wrestling. And starting us off this week with the quick hits, Number one, Josh Alexander forced to relinquish the Impact World Heavyweight title, which he has held for about a year. And uh, this is due to a serious injury that will keep him out around six months. Uh, Josh was a fantastic champion. He was defending that title almost every single week on Impact. And when it wasn't on Impact, he was still having a match. This guy was a machine. He definitely deserved that monarch uh, when he was coming to the ring. He was a modern-day Kurt Angle, in my opinion, and he was doing a fantastic job of getting himself as well as his opponents over uh, in a big way. His matchup with Mike Bailey a couple of months back really put Mike Bailey on the map for me and made me enjoy his work. I even went back and looked at some of Mike Bailey's matches to see that this kid had something. So, uh, Josh... We hope for a speedy recovery. We also hope that you get yourself right back into the title picture once you are back with Impact. Uh, You know, the the funny thing of it is, when you look at a guy like this, both he and Ethan Page were a fantastic tag team. And then Ethan got offers from the WWE and AEW. He went with AEW, but uh, Josh stayed on. Even by losing his tag team partner, he stayed on to be a singles wrestler and did an unbelievable job of getting himself over 
and then became world heavyweight champion. It's sad to hear that he has to relinquish the belt, but it is being done. And because of that, Steve Macklin, who is the number one contender, will take on Kushida in the next couple of weeks, and they will battle for the vacant title. Now, I have not really seen that much of Steve Macklin's work. I mean, I know that he was in the Forgotten Sons of the WWE, uh, and I know that he's been an impact for a while. Um, don't really know that much about him, though, to say, you know, he's a great wrestler, but I do know that he did deserve to become the number one contender, how much he battled for it. Uh, and Kushida, I mean, what's there not to like about this guy? He did tremendous work in Japan and in the WWE. They just didn't know how to book him over in the E. So, you know, that should be a fantastic match to get us a new Impact champion. So, again, my uh, heart goes out to um, Josh Alexander, and I hope that he has a speedy recovery. And um, good luck to both Steve Macklin and Kushida. Finally, quick hit number two, uh, CM Punk finally releases a statement about what went down with Moxley and Tony Khan during that whole all-out weekend and, you know, getting everything ready. Punk said things like he wasn't even cleared to, you know, be involved in the match, uh, that he did not want to wrestle, and that he didn't want to come back the way that they wanted him to. But it, they just kept pushing to have that match to get the interim title off Moxley and make it one champion again. Um, Punk also says that Moxley refused to even think about losing to Punk. He was dead set on squashing Punk at the pay-per-view and unifying the titles. And Punk also says that when Tony Khan told him it was going to be a squash match, he said he didn't want to do it, but for the good of the company, he was willing to come back and lose the title, but then didn't understand why they did a rematch and then allowed Punk to win it. And then all that, you know, back and forth BS that went on. Now, listen, here's the thing. I am very unbiased. I am not going to sit here and tell you that just because I like a certain wrestler that they're right or they're wrong. And I'm not going to sit here and slander somebody just because I don't like them either. I know you've heard me shit talk John Moxley on many occasions. I know that you've heard me say I don't like his work. But I do find it hard to believe that John Moxley went the Brock Lesnar route and refused to do business with CM Punk. I think that had Punk been a 100% healthy and truly been coming back for the long haul, they could have worked out an ending that appeased both of them. Whether it was a time limit draw, whether Punk went over, but then Moxley got the belt back a little while later, or what have you. You know, Mox was very adamant in one of his interviews after winning the title back that he was all the way set on going on vacation for a month or two because his daughter had just been born. He wanted to spend time with his family and he was burnt out. So that's where I feel that there's a hole in Punk's plot. I also, though, feel that Punk is telling the truth in that Tony Khan was pushing for him to come back sooner and to get the interim title off of Moxley and put it as a unified champion because Tony Khan does seem like someone who is very uh, uh, abrasive when it comes to getting what he wants and very much so probably calling Punk on a daily basis. Hey, you ready? Hey, are you back? Are you 100%? Hey, can you come back? Hey, can you do this? Hey, can you do that? And then Punk was probably just like, you know what? Yeah, I'm ready to come back. Let's do it any way you want, boss, and let's get this done. You understand? I have no feeling that Punk is lying about that. Um, he did not mention, of course, the uh, brawl that took place. I'm, I'm assuming he's kind of uh, tight-lipped right now and being forced to, you know, not say anything. And, of course, after the trouble he got into with the WWE and being sued, 
I'm sure he's not going to open his mouth again and, and talk about inter policies of the companies that he's working for. What he did say, though, is that he is not prepared to put his health on the line for a wrestling company again and would never do that again, even if AEW acts. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if CM Punk ever returns to AEW or any wrestling company for that matter and uh, what is on the horizon for him once his contract either expires or is bought out or they bring him back. So with that being said, let's go ahead and shift gears now to the highlight reel. And as I said, we are one week out from WrestleMania and Monday Night Raw kicked off with the opening of uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. They are finally back together. Uh, the storyline of the bloodline um, has been fantastic, and Sami Zayn has been at the forefront. And now that his part in the bloodline is over and he is trying to take them uh, out, and now finally enlisting Kevin Owens, these two are back together as best friends. Cody's involved slightly as well as we saw on SmackDown a couple of weeks ago. It was fantastic seeing them kind of gush over one another and talk about what they've done, talk about what they're going to do. And then the Usos come out, uh, you know, a little back and forth goes on, and a match is finally made. It will be Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn taking on the Usos for the undisputed World Tag Team titles. And we knew this was coming. This has been rumored for months. But I think they went about it in the absolute best possible way, and I'm enjoying where they're going with this, so I'd like to see more. Uh, Montez Ford then took on Austin Theory in an incredible 20-minute match for the United States Championship. Montez Ford has been showing his true colors as it becomes a in-ring worker over this last month and a half. Guy was always great. Montez Ford has always been fantastic in the ring, but you factor in what he did at uh, the Hell in a Cell uh, elimination chamber, excuse me. You factor in what he did at Elimination Chamber. You factor in those last couple of tag matches he's had with Angel Dawkins. And then what he did with Austin Theories this past Monday. Absolutely fantastic. And Theory has grown on me. I, I said that he had a lot of nuclear heat on him with me. That X-Pac heat. But no. Austin Theory has slowly become a great heel. A great United States champion. I didn't like that Cena buried him a couple of weeks ago, but we're not going to go into that right now. We'll go into that maybe a little more when I do a, a little bit of a rough uh, estimate on what's going to happen at WrestleMania. But I will say this. Austin Theory versus Montez Ford, in my opinion, uh, almost stole the show on Monday Night Raw. We'll get into that in a minute, though. Number three, uh, Rhea Ripley taking on Bailey. 15 minutes of two former women's championship the championship holders going back and forth. Uh, Rhea proving her dominance finally and getting a win over one of the four horsewomen. Uh, we've yet to see her go against Bailey. And of course, she's going to go up against Charlotte at WrestleMania. Uh, it was great to see Becky, uh, Trish, and Lita come out there and kind of run interference against damage control. Bailey is still uh, a great in the ring. I don't know how much more I could say about her being in the ring, but these two women melded together very well. And had a great outing. Now, number four, the match that I feel did actually steal the show. And that is Chad Gable versus Ricochet. You put two guys out there who um, have not really been used right in the last couple of months. Yeah, they've been involved in tag teams or storylines that are okay. But you got Gable now battling with Otis possibly be joining Maximum Male Models. That's going to put some butts in the seats. And then you got Ricochet, who's been kind of forced to be with Braun because they have nothing for him in the singles realm. 
and you really have two guys that have lost their way. But then they come out there and they put on a 20-minute classic with hold-for-hold, hold, matching move-for-move, move, and a great one-on-one -on -one encounter. Fantastic job by both. I hope that they both get singles pushes in the very near future. And number five, the Bloodline's continued storyline, as we saw throughout Monday Night Raw, uh, the, the Roman Reigns being there, talking to the Usos, talking to Solo, sending the Usos away and leaving just him and Solo, and then putting, trying to put doubt in Cody Rhodes' mind at the ending of the show, but Cody flipped it on him and told him, once you lose your title, bye-bye to the Usos, bye-bye to Solo, and Paul Heyman goes from being the wise man to just being an advocate again. You see that disdain in Roman's eyes. Great. Uh, promo by both guys. Great outing for the Bloodline again. Very well done over there on Monday Night Raw. Number two, uh, MLW. I have been enjoying their weekly product. I have to say it's a breath of fresh air. The storylines, the action. You know, you get either two really good 20 to 25-minute matches or three solid 10 to 15-minute matches with a decent amount of storyline in the middle. So MLW has been great. It's on the Reels Network. If you get Reels in your cable package, please go ahead and check them out because we want them to stick around. Number one over there on MLW this week, Hammerstone versus Jacob Fatu for the World Heavyweight title. A 35-minute brawl between the two big bulls of that company. Jacob Fatu held the title for two and a half years and had a very Roman Reigns-like uh, title reign. Uh, although he was doing it before Roman, <laughs> and, uh, you know, really an enjoyable storyline when he had the belt, finally lost to Hammerstone, and then these two finally come together and have their rematch, in which Vatu almost won the title back a couple of times, but Hammerstone just persevered and finally hit that doomsday uh, finisher of his, that uh, parallel suplex into a slam. Unbelievable matchup, great match. If you didn't get a chance to check it out, go ahead and find it on YouTube. Because it is phenomenal. And then number two, Taya Valkyrie taking on Billy Starks with the women's title on the line. And this was a 15-minute back-and-forth battle between, between two women who know each other very well. This is their third meeting. And I have to say, I thought that Taya was going to lose the title because she just recently debuted in AEW. But then I realized something. I'm, I'm, I get dumb sometimes, ladies and gentlemen. MLW does uh, film a couple of weeks, maybe even a month ahead of schedule. So, obviously, this was from a show where before Taya had debuted for AEW. And number two, AEW does not uh, bother their wrestlers from wrestling on other companies. You know, we've seen cross-promotion with, uh, of course, Ring of Honor, which Tony Khan owns, Impact Wrestling, New Japan, and, of course, uh, MLW. So, I see no reason for... Uh, her to drop that title anytime soon. In fact, if she could even come on to AEW with the MLW Women's Featherweight Championship and provoke Jade into giving her that title match, uh, I think it would be fantastic. So more power to them if they can get it done. Over on NXT, now I expected more from NXT, I have to say this week, because they've got Stand and Deliver going on. And there was a lot of decent amount of stuff going on but some of it just didn't make any sense. So, number one, though, um, Ilya Dragunov and J.D. McDow had a 20-minute back-and-forth classic. Two Matt veterans that like to go to the air when they have to. Great, great matchup. 
Again, if you missed it, find it on YouTube or go find it on Peacock or wherever you can that you can find NXT because these two went into a great battle of uh, Masters of the Ring, in my opinion. Uh, Dragon Lee was out there and Wesley as well because they were trying to get them spots in the um, North American title uh, Fatal Five-Way. Uh, West picked Dragon Lee and, of course, McDow and uh, Dragunov do have spots as well. I like Wesley and I think he's doing a great job. I think Dragon Lee is uh, stupendous and one of the best from around the world. But I think that he's been there too quickly you know, too quickly for him. He just got there is what I'm trying to say. I would like to see Dragunov or McDow walk away with the belt, in my opinion. And, of course, they have one more spot to fill, and they're going to do that with a Battle Royal next week. Who knows who it could be? It might even be somebody from the main roster that does a pop-in and wins the Battle Royal and then gets into the uh, North American Fatal Byway. And number two, Braun Breaker and Carmelo Hayes taking on Pretty Deadly. Now, you know I am not a Pretty Deadly fan. Uh, Prince and Kit just don't do it for me. They are just way over the top, and I'm not a big fan of them. But uh, their actions earlier in the night, uh, baiting Carmelo Hayes into a tag match with Trick Williams, and then Braun Breaker saying, no, you don't need Trick. Let me do this with you. And then that little, you know, anything you could do, I could do better uh, tag team, like we've seen in the past with The Rock and Stone Cold, with uh, Mankind and The Undertaker, guys getting together just for the sake of the greater good, but still having a problem, it was it was awesome. You know what I mean? And Pretty Deadly did a great job of trying to cause dissension between champion and challenger at Stand and Deliver. I was all for it. Great main event. All four men did a great job. I don't like that Pretty Deadly will be hosting Stand and Deliver, but I hope they keep their uh, moments in the ring or backstage short. And I think that Hayes and Breaker are going to deliver no pun intended, at stand and deliver, um, and we could see a tremendous uh, world title matchup. I'm kind of hoping Hayes wins because I want him to stick around in NXT and I want Breaker to go to the main roster, but if Breaker ends up beating Hayes, then I'd like to see Hayes go to the main roster and maybe start fighting for that Intercontinental title. You never know. AEW Dynamite is now uh, up uh, on the highlight reel. And the opening six-man tag between Sting, Darby Allen, and Orange Cassidy, taking on Kip Saban, uh, the Butcher, and the Blade. Wow. I didn't know the Butcher and the Blade were actually that good when it came to being a tag team because we haven't seen them that much. But they did a fantastic job here. Uh, Saban is playing the menacing, almost villainous heel uh, in a great way. Um, Orange Cassidy. Although I don't like him with the international championship because that title's name has now changed from the All Atlantic to the international title. Um, I, although I don't like him with the title because they just don't fit well and he's not really going all around the world and defending the title like Pac was, he's still doing a great job. Uh, Darby Allen, uh, one of the pillars of AEW and should be involved in a fatal four-way for the World Heavyweight title. I'd like to see if they do that. Uh, and, of course, Sting. Sting is Sting. At, at 60, over 60 years old, still see him still doing this thing in the ring is fantastic. So great opening six-man tag in which Sting won for his team. And then number two, the main event, Kenny Omega taking on Vikango. It, they build it as a dream match, and I've never seen Vikango in the ring before. I know they were supposed to battle him and Kenny for the uh, uh, AAA uh, championship about a year or so ago. But I've never seen him in the ring. Seeing him go against Kenny... It, yes, there were a lot of acrobatic spots. There was a lot of flippy shit. But it wasn't just flippy shit for the sake of flippy shit. 
You know what I mean? There was a lot of great spots in which these two guys put their bodies on the line and did things that I thought were like, wow, is he dead? You know, is he going to still be able to compete? Is he walking away from this matchup uh, uh, at less than 100% now? Um, you know, it was it was a great main event. These guys went all out. Again, no pun intended. Um, Vikango with that spot, with that poison Rana, I thought Kenny broke his neck. You know what I mean? The spot through the, the table was unbelievable. And just a great all-around matchup in which Kenny won. I think the right man won because, yes, Vikango is the AAA World Heavyweight Champion right now, but Kenny is Kenny Omega and one of the stars of AEW, so you really can't have him lose too much. And he's been losing to the House of Black and in six-man matches uh, recently, so got to get him back on the winning way. Uh, I feel that the match was slightly overshadowed by the who beat up the Young Bucks earlier in the night storyline and the House of Black trying to attack and then the, uh, you know, JSA and everybody else getting involved. But I, I did like that Adam Page came out to save uh, uh, Kenny Omega from the uh, Combat Club and uh, Moxley uh, and, and the rest of them. Um, but what I will say is this. I'm a little confused. Is Don Callis about to turn on the Elite and Kenny Omega and maybe join the Blackpool Combat Club and become their new manager? Is he just going to have Kenny turn on everybody? Is Kenny going to finally, you know, side with Hangman Adam Page? There's a lot of questions going on, but I like them. So big ups to AEW right now. On the flip side, finally, SmackDown. And this was an all-around great show. I think they were uh, full steam ahead for WrestleMania in this, this week. Um, SmackDown with the opening matchup of Cody Rhodes versus Kaiser. Wow. Wow, this is another guy I've not seen enough of in Kaiser. He was doing great when Imperium was over in NXT, but we haven't really seen him in the ring that much bar from a six-man tag every now and then. He went toe-to-toe -to -toe with Cody Rhodes and did a fantastic job. Cody is slowly building his repertoire. Every time he gets in the ring, he changes it up slightly. It's not the same match every time. Yeah, you'll see a Cody cutter, but he'll hit it a different way every time. Yeah, you'll see the crossroads, but he'll, depending on the guy's size, he'll bend them in half. Cody did a fantastic job here and got the win. Um, the promo with Paul Heyman, Solo Sokoa, after the matchup was great. Cody putting trying to put doubt in Solo's mind that he's not ready and that he's going to take him out and that he doesn't care what Heyman does to move the goalpost and try to change things up for Cody. It's not going to scare him. Uh, really well done by all involved. Number two, Rey Mysterio taking on LA Knight. 15 minutes of two guys that just ignited their feud, I guess, overnight. Uh, really going all out uh, in this one. LA Knight, fantastic talent in the ring and outside of the ring. And I have to say something here. People might say, well, he's getting buried. He's losing every match. He lost to Bray Wyatt. Now he lost to Rey Mysterio. This guy can eat a loss and still come back because of what he does on the mic. L.A. Knight is an untouchable talent, in my opinion. It doesn't matter how many matches he loses. He will get back to the top and get back to a great matchup, uh, win or lose. It, it's, it's been fantastic. And, of course, the ending of the match, Dominic getting involved. Ray gets the win. Dominic tells his mom to shut up. Ray finally has had enough, punches Dominic in the face, which I enjoyed seeing very, very much. And then uh, Ray agrees to a match at WrestleMania. Now, I have to say, I've been very hard on the Mysterio family on this show, uh, dating back to when Aliyah was dating Buddy Murphy and, uh, you know, all that bullshit with the eye for an eye match with Seth Rollins and all that. 
I'm still going to be very hard on them. I'm tired of this storyline. I'm tired of Ray. I'm tired of Dominic. Ray needs to go into the Hall of Fame, have his match with Dominic, and then retire completely. I am also very tired of Dominic Mysterio with the Judgment Day. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care if anybody's high on Dominic Mysterio in WWE. I think that he is ruining Rhea Ripley, and I hope that he does not get involved in her matchup at uh, WrestleMania. I hope that she becomes the women's champion, and I kind of hope that that kind of I know I said the word kind of a lot, but I'm, what I'm hoping for is that it changes the momentum in that Rhea can go on on her own and leave Dominic with Priest and um, Finn Balor and maybe move her away from the Judgment Day just a little bit. Just my opinion. Number three, Walter and Pete Dunne one-on-one. I know what you're going to say. No, they're they're Gunter and Bush. Butch, no. No. Those are their only names. They are Walter and Pete Dunne. Pete Dunne is about to get his name back. Walter doesn't want to change his name back. He's happy with being Gunther. But those are the names I know them as and the names that they actually kick ass as. The other names, eh, not so much. But Walter has been doing a fantastic job as the Intercontinental Champion. And his matchup with Pete Dunne was hard-hitting and brutal, which is what you want from these two guys. So big ups to both of them. Um, I don't like how they got to the Intercontinental Triple Threat match with... uh, Drew and Sheamus taking on uh, Walter for the title. I think that after the Battle Royal, it should have just went to, okay, yeah, this is, you know, it's a triple threat match because there's two of them left. Not have another unnecessary match and then make the triple threat match. But what I'm hoping is is that Walter walks out as the Intercontinental Champion. Uh, Yeah, would I feel great with Sheamus becoming champion because he's never been IC champ before? Yes. I don't think that Drew needs it. Without a belt, he's still good. It doesn't matter. But I think that Walter still needs the title to continue to grow his uh, character in the WWE. And finally, the main event promo between Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens. We saw that incredible KO Mania uh, WrestleZania shirt uh, that they both were, you know, modeling and wearing. Great job going back and forth between these two. And then again, the Usos come out and ends in a brawl. I can't wait for this tag team matchup. I think it's been done great. I hope Sammy and uh, KO win because the Usos have been champions quite a while, and it's just like, okay, we're done. You know what I mean? Uh, the Usos definitely need to lose, and I so I think so do Roman Reigns with the uh, the Universal and World Heavyweight title as well. The time for Undisputed Champions should be over now, and we need to get back to a champion on, on both shows or one champion who goes to both shows. That's just me. Uh, but, yeah, great, great ending to uh, SmackDown. One week away from WrestleMania, uh, still a Raw and a SmackDown to go. And what we know of Monday Night Raw, Cody Rhodes will take on Solo Sokoa. And what we know of SmackDown, uh, the Andre the Giant Battle Royal will take place next week on Friday Night SmackDown. I don't agree with this. This is, again, happening again. Uh, it happened just the second year in a row, I believe, that they're doing it. Um you know, you you want the Andre the Giant Battle Royal on WrestleMania, and you've got two nights now, so use it, damn it. You know what I mean? Don't just throw it on SmackDown. So those are the highlights of the week. Let's go ahead and get into the lowlights. And from Monday Night Raw, it is Logan Paul's Impulsive. I am not a Logan Paul fan. I don't care how much he jumps around the ring. I don't care how, how athletic he is, what he does. They are basically feeding Seth Rollins to him and allowing him to get over on Seth at every waking moment. And I know what you're going to say. Well, you said LA Knight can uh, eat a loss and still come back because of a promo. Why can't Seth Rollins? He can. But 
if this is the way you're leading us into it, and if memory serves me correct, correctly, with history, whoever looks strong going into WrestleMania is the one that's going to win. And if memory also serves me correctly, Logan Paul is 2-1 and one because he only lost to Roman Reigns. They're going to let Seth look strong on this go-home Monday Night Raw, and then Logan Paul is going to beat him at WrestleMania, which would be terrible to allow a part-time celebrity who goes from being a face to a heel, from a face to a heel faster than his name was Paul White, to allow him to beat Seth Rollins. It's just ridiculous. I don't like it. I don't like the build for this. I don't like why they're doing it. It's just very annoying. And I kind of hope that Logan Paul is almost done with his contract in the WWE and goes away very shortly. And when he goes away, I hope that he takes Dominic Mysterio with him. So, And maybe Bad Bunny, too. But that's just me. And finally, uh, number two from AEW Dynamite, John Moxley versus uh, Stu Grayson. Now, I will not condemn Stu Grayson for this. He had a fantastic outing and great matchup with uh, John Moxley. Um, he did, yes. And I'm happy that Stu came back to AEW. He's all elite once again after being unceremoniously fired, uh, you know, allowing his contract to run out and not being rehired. It was stupid by AEW because you've got the damn dark order there. Why not leave one of the founding members? But while I, what I will condemn and why this is a low-light reel, John Moxley has these goddamn same match every week on television, okay? Punch, kick, suplex, bleed, 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 paradigm shift, death rider. Dude, what the hell is your finisher's name? Is it the death rider or is it the paradigm shift? Because it's all a double arm DDT and or suplex that you do. You've changed it up just slightly to change it every week, but not enough that it doesn't look the same because it does. And then you get the win, okay? Stu Grayson should have won that match. Stu Grayson should have won it, won in a fluke victory, in my opinion, and pissed Moxley off that he destroyed him afterwards, bringing out the dark water. But no, you have Moxley again sandbag somebody, get the win, and then after the matchup, the BBC or BCC or what the hell they were ever they're called, the Blackpool Combat Club, uh, go ahead and destroy Stu Grayson again. And it just makes no goddamn sense. And then after the match, you find him backstage with them beating down Stu Grayson again. So basically, you brought this guy back to be a stooge for Moxley. Great job, Tony Khan. Okay? Uh, it was a terrible idea. I didn't like the way the match came off. And I think it was just bad in general. So, with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for joining me. I want to thank you for putting up with my hiatus and being gone for a few weeks. And I want to thank you for putting up with my voice for 30 minutes. Uh, that's going to do it. I will see you next week. And I hope that you will join me on If You Smell What the Arch is Cooking, WrestleMania Edition. Good night, everybody.